Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Pretty Suited Podcast, where we discuss career, culture, and the commitment to being our best selves. I'm your host, Lauren A., and I am joined here today by a special guest. Well, at this point, you guys know that all my guests are special, but um, this young lady uh, is a very good friend of mine. She has been doing great works in the area of therapy and mental health. Um, She is not only a good friend, but she is a singer, even though she probably won't tell you that, but she is a singer as well as a boxer, a kickboxer. So um, I just wanted to bring her on the show today so we can talk a little bit about things mental health. So I bring to you today the lovely, lovely Ashley Johnson. Hey, Ashley. Um, Ashley and I have been pretty cool for a couple years now. I actually met her through another friend, another therapist, you know, and uh, we hit it off. We kicked it off and we, you know, uh, are not afraid to have, you know, really good conversations. We're not afraid to uh, get dig a little deep and, you know, talk about grown women things because we're all grown, you know. So you got to have friends around you that, you know, are able to tell you about yourself, able to help you when you're, you know, in your low moments and are able to, you know, help you get out of those moments too. So I really do appreciate Ashley. I appreciate you joining me today. So, you know, um, tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do and how you do it. Okay. Um, Thank you for the warm introduction. Um, I think it's, Funny to hear what people think of you or what they find interesting, even though we may not uh, think to share that immediately. But yes, uh, I do like to sing from time to time. <laughs> Maybe we'll explore that later. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, we will. and I do like to box, uh, even though I'm kind of uh, on break right now, but that is uh, another thing. But outside of that, what I do, um, I am a clinical mental health counselor. Um, I've been in the field since 2020 officially, um, but I graduated in 2019 uh, with my master's in clinical mental health counseling. I've been in the mental health field roughly like eight plus years. So I would say that I have worked with people for a long time. It didn't start there, though. It started, I would say, like in retail, worked in different um stores and different settings where I would serve, you know, customers. But I learned over time that I wanted to help people, but not in that way. And so um, it led me down a path of personal struggles, personal um, insights about who I am and what I felt like I was called to do. And that led me down the path of psychology. So I feel like I'm supposed to be doing this work. It's definitely uh, fulfilling. Um, But yeah, that's kind of little bit about me so far it was a fantastic intro honestly because you know we really do find our way into our purpose sometimes depending on what we're going through depending on how life has presented itself to us you know we uh think oh yeah we'll get a job in this or when we're choosing a college major we know or may not know but you know you stumbled upon something that um is not only a fulfilling career but it's a necessary career you know, we already know about just the disproportion of mental health in certain communities. And so you're doing good work. And I, I think that that's awesome. So we'll start today. I think I think the theme of this um, conversation that we're having today, I want it to be 
kind of on a theme of ultimatums, the ultimatums in our life. Like, what do we think is a priority? What we don't think is a priority? Usually when somebody comes up with ultimatum, they really are deciding that enough is enough of a thing. <laughs> like my my grandmother used to love to say enough is enough of a thing. Like I, I, I've tried it, you know, we may have failed at it and you try it again, or uh, maybe not tried and failed, but given the opportunity to, to something or someone to do something right. And they just can't get it together. Do you agree with that at all? Like, how do you feel, feel about like giving something kind of like a hard stop or do you think everything should just have grace? Yeah. Um, I think everything in life deserves to have some form of boundary. Like when I think of ultimatums, I think of setting some type of boundary. Um, and I usually tell clients and even myself, as I've learned about what boundaries are, it's very similar to having a, a property and having a land and you set a certain dividend between one property to another property. And it just makes things more clear of like where you stand and where they stand. And then rules may follow from that. Um, so I think it's important people need to have an idea of what they're willing to uh, compromise on and what the hard no's are. It saves a lot of time, saves a lot of heartache. And it makes things more clear about who you are and what you stand on. Um, so yeah, ultimatums, I think, are necessary, but balanced. And that was the thing I was thinking about earlier, um, was like, when I think about things, I'm very much open-minded to the bigger perspective. So mm. everything is not all black and white. So I think mm. ultimatums are necessary, but you don't want to get too rigid with that either. Yeah, because I know me. I can, you know, get into my ultimatum phase and not necessarily voicing the ultimatum, but in my own mind. I don't have to tell you, look, you better do this or we're not going to be friends anymore or we're not going to date anymore or whatever the case. Or I'm going to quit. It's really just an internal thing. That's where I feel like you kind of have to know your borders first before you do an ultimatum. Like you have to know, okay, I don't agree with this lifestyle. I don't agree with this, you know, what you're doing to me as far as like burning me out at work. I don't agree with, you know, you cheating on me or whatever thing you decide to do. You kind of have to have that internal conversation with yourself and be like, okay, what is my heart stopping? What is not? And then that's where I feel like an ultimatum comes into play. Like, and it can be something light. It don't even have to be nothing heavy. Like you can have a, a ultimatum with like, okay, either I'm going to have, um, uh, be vegetarian or be, a you know, what I want to eat tonight, I really don't want Mexican or I really don't want Chinese or whatever right. it may be. Like, it don't even have to be that deep. But I just think that kind of like making real decisions about what you want and how you want should be, you know, practiced. Mm -hmm. um, but like you said, not too much because you could become so rigid and just I want what I want when I want it that nothing gets done. Nobody stands a chance. Like you're, you're going to quit every job you work at. Like, cause life doesn't necessarily bend to your favor all the time. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I think, unfortunately in this generation, like, don't get me wrong. I know you see kind of like a pattern and this is so cool because I'm getting it from a therapist perspective. Like, do you see a pattern of like, if you look on social media or if you look on different things where they kind of make it seem like, you are the center of the universe, kind of like a main character syndrome. If nothing appeases you, if nothing makes you happy, if nothing does this, then you have to remove yourself or you have to just disregard it or you have to, 
you know, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, I understand that's a good thing, but is that, could that be too much sometimes? Oh yeah. I mean, you, like I said, balance and everything. So I think it's very much important to note that our society, Western culture, um, and this has been going on even, I think before social media, but it has, social media has influenced it even more. Like we are very much a self-serving, um, individualistic, uh, type of society. And so it is kind of, uh, been normalized to to focus more on self and serving self and um you know starting there first which i think when you're on that self-love journey that is necessary but you you have to you can you can tread a thin line from that to being very egotistical right and mm-hmm. the ego can get in the way um and that can cause harm to you and others you know because we are at the end of the day desired for connection and so yeah. if you find yourself constantly wanting to be in the forefront all the time, I don't think that's realistic. I don't think that everyone needs to be in the forefront in every aspect of their life. Everyone has strengths. Everyone has weaknesses. And the weaknesses allows you to rely on other people's strengths. Um, and so I, I, I do think social media can exacerbate that. Like we're used to having the camera in front of us and show, and it can be cathartic it can be you know helpful to share people what we've got going on in our lives but um i do think the likes and the engagement that comes after that and it's done in a way where it's feeding some type of need that you want you know whether you don't feel like you're getting that need elsewhere it can be kind of detrimental over time so yeah yeah. like would you would you go so far as to say using the term narcissistic like, as you know, that's a buzzword now. It's the, <laughs> it's, it's floating around the whole internet. Yeah. The term narcissist, love bombing, it, like, uh, uh, self care. Like, these are all buzzwords that for some reason everybody is just familiar with now. I mean, thank God people <laughs> are going to therapy. Okay. Yeah. That's a, a, thank God we working things out. But yeah. I think that we can hyper therapize everything. Yeah. To where it's like, I understand that there's a word for, for something, but not everything is that. But, um, you know, we always saying something is narcissistic, something is toxic and everything. And while that can very well be true, I think that we can kind of err on the side of caution, like you said, um, to not just overdo it to the point where nothing is concrete in mm-hmm. your life because you have removed you you basically put so much emotional um, energy into it and it's, you just, you know, now it's a big deal. And then now it's a, you know what I'm saying? Like you're creating anxiety for yourself is it's just too much. I think sometimes, mm-hmm. and uh, yes, work through your, 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 your problems, but I don't know. I, what do you think? Am I, am I over, am I thinking too hard into it? <laughs> I mean, I, I think that the main thing as I'm listening is, is like, it's important to recognize like people do make sense if you really sit with them and hear their story, um, whether it takes them down a path of being labeled as a narcissist or having egotistical ways, it's all survival mode. It's all whatever they figured out in their brain of how they feel like they need to cope in a certain mm-hmm. environment or situation. Um, and yeah, like I think we just, people like to put things in boxes and to make it more you know, makes sense. And that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Having so, to label things and put it in a, in a category. So that way, you know how to deal with it. 
Exactly. And that, yeah. and that, can, that, make, that makes sense, right? But at the same time, that doesn't really help solve the problem. Like, you miss a lot of details in that. <laughs> oh, okay. Like, I feel like if we label everyone as a narcissist and has these tendencies, like, well, well why, why are we deciding to um, maybe want to be more in the main character role than yeah. in the non-player role? <laughs> I'm just That's that true. Back. Non-player yeah. role. <laughs> The, the, the young kids be saying that, right? Yeah, I just learned that yesterday. So you're a non, a non, what's it called? Something like a character, non... Non-player character. Yes, non-player character, NPC. Yes. Non-player character. So basically, like, and it's, you know, and it's times, ooh, we might have stumbled upon a topic here. <laughs> because there are times in your life, or if you're a part of a team, or if you're a part of something where you may not, not may not necessarily use the term non-player character, like, <laughs> but right. like, not, not a, what Evelyn said on basketball, non-motherfucking factor. Yes. We're not talking about, we're not talking about that. But like, right. I think at some point, sometimes in your life, you may have to sit back and not be the main character. Mm-hmm. You have to sit back and like, whether you with your spouse and they have something going on that requires them to be the main character, you you should be able to be comfortable enough to, comfortable enough to sit back and say, okay, I'm, they're shining right now and still be securing yourself to be, to be able to do that. Because I think, and like we said, with everything being centered around how you feel and all these things like that, I think now we can become, it can become dangerous with the new relationships that if you're not the main character at all times, then it's a bad relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not how, you can't be with somebody 40, 50, 60 years and expect for you to be the main character at all times in that scenario. It doesn't work that way. Same thing if you're at work, right? We talk about career on this podcast. If you're a part of a team, a part of a collective, y'all have a goal in mind. You may not be the main character of the team this time. But sweetheart, it's okay. <laughs> or, or sir, it's okay. Maybe the next time, you know, you could take on that that main character role or the leadership role or whatever. But it, it will behoove you to be okay sometimes with being a supportive actress you know yeah i think i think that can also bring benefits within itself as as well like Mm -hmm. there's benefits of being in the background sometimes and and not always being in the forefront like you learn a lot in those spaces and what what why does that have to be a problem right like can Mm -hmm. we can we acknowledge that there's still strengths that we hold even when we aren't in the forefront in the limelight that that there's still power within us, that we're not at a deficit, that maybe it's just not our time to shine in this this capacity. Like Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I, I I agree, ma'am. Do you <laughs> do you uh teach any of these skills, you know, in your therapy sessions? Like how how would this be applied to a typical character? I'm not saying anybody specific because we know mm-hmm. we're talking about HIPAA, but like uh and just <laughs> yeah. and just uh a random exercise that you might use, how would you go about doing that or teaching somebody how to do that? Yeah. Um, well, I think a lot of what we're talking about ties to self-worth and self-esteem and identity. I'm really big on learning about what do we tie to our identity? Um, and a lot of my clients are mostly young adults. And so they're formulating the question, who am I? So I would say, a typical session would to be like, if you found yourself in situations where you felt like you had to always be number one, Mm -hmm. I would want to know where that came from. 
You know, why yeah. is that so important to you? Have you always been number one? Was there a time where you weren't? And what, mm-hmm. what was that like? Um, what would happen if you were to not be number one anymore? What, how would you feel about yourself? How do you, what do you fear would happen? Um, so that can be a very deep uh, question that could help people understand like the meaning they attach to where they rank. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that makes that makes total sense because I feel like in we talk about this all the time. Like mm-hmm. your personality as an adult stems a lot from how you were raised. So if you grew up in a household to where you were never number one, you always played the backseat. That was some kind of characteristics you might take on with you as an adult where you're you're not really uh, able to make decisions quickly or you always looking for somebody to help you or to, you know, you're, you're always in a relationship. You don't know how to be by yourself or you're just not you don't take charge at work, stuff like that, because that's just the role you played when you were younger versus like you said a person who was always number one because they had to take care of their parents. Their parents may have been, you know, irresponsible or on drugs or just bad with money or something to where you always had to be like the leader in the household or raise your, raise your siblings, you know, that kind of a thing. And so you took on that persona as an adult and you have a hard time playing the backseat to people because that's just never what you had to do. That, that That's not your, your thing. So um, I think that's very valid. And I think that that's a good thing to incorporate in a session with somebody who never even thought about that or just have a hard time turning it off. <laughs> right. right. Well, I, I want to, as you're talking, I, I think it's also important. And I don't know if there's research out there yet, but I think it's important to know just the idea of therapy, right? You mm-hmm. spend an hour talking about, quote unquote, yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe like things that you find to be important in your life that you want to talk about. Um, and so I think it's also important to be mindful, like as you dedicate time to processing your uh, what's going on in your life, that you also take priority on what else is, go- what else is going on in other people's lives. Because mm-hmm. that I think that ongoing uh, practice of like talking about like, who, like what am I feeling? Um, how does that affect me? It's very much me kind of focus, which is helpful to bring that self-awareness. And I think people have to be mindful that they do not only solely focus on those sessions as being the all in all. Like you have to be very open to how you affect other people. And, you know, yeah. So that's something I wanted to throw out there, too. No, that's true. That's Mm -hmm. true. And goes back to that man character syndrome. It's like. Because, I mean, even recently I had a conversation with a friend um, about like our parents and how, you know, how they treated us or what they did, you know, for us and things like that. Just the relationship that we have with our parents. Mm -hmm. And it really is a thing when you're able to grow up and just kind of like be able to separate yourself, your, your parents, you know, as your parents and people, it allows you to be like. Yeah, they may have done something, you know, that we didn't agree with, but they're their own person with their own life experiences prior to them coming to even be my parent. So they're learning on the fly, you know, so it allows you to kind of step outside of just your experience that you had with them. And then now you're able to have a little bit more sympathy you know, or empathy for them and what they've gone through. I'm not saying excuse people's behaviors, you know, whoever did you wrong or whoever did you right. But it's just a matter of like, okay, that whole experience that we had together was based on so many different things besides me and how I felt. Exactly. 
Well, yeah, you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. I recently made a post um, about like um, times of isolation, like when you need to be isolated. And I know you and I have talked uh, before about just, you know, dealing with our own thing and how sometimes we might be able to detach ourselves sometimes just to deal with it so we could process it and stuff like that. But what do you feel about isolation versus just avoidance? Hmm, yeah. Yeah, when I when I hear isolation, um, and but in the act of healing, I think of maybe going inward. Like mm-hmm. I, it, it takes me to a time where I was in a big transitional moment in my life when I was like, I don't want to work here, but I have no idea what I'm going to do after that. Mm-hmm. And I needed to spend. I took a whole week off to just find myself again. Um, we tend to exert energy in all these different places throughout the day, um, and may never just pause and focus on what's going on with self. And so that to me was, was a very important moment of isolation. I didn't talk to anybody. I stayed in my apartment the whole week. Um, I did all the things I could imagine to think of, to do with myself by myself so that I could know what was even going through my mind or even put words or, um, have some type of intuition on what's going on. So like that to me is helpful. Um, and I'm also an introvert, so like <laughs> I can do that for a long time comfortably. Uh, and I've learned over the years that if I do it for too long, then I start to long. And like I said earlier, I believe I was saying that we are all wired for connection, right? So we can't just self-isolate forever. Um, we will feel without. We will have that longing. Um, and so avoidance can come into that if we maybe develop some meaning regarding connection, right? Whether it's scary, whether it's risky, whether it's um, can't trust people in the world, whether, you know, everyone's out here to hurt us. Um, And so I think if our mindset on connection is faulty or maybe rigid, not balanced as well, then that can lead to behaviors of avoidance. And so uh, it's a thin line as well. I mean, like, I think, especially for our, the introverted people out there, shout out to y'all. I'm not, I, 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 I consider myself an introvert, but I also like, you know, like we're, we're cool. So like when I'm with my people, like I'm a little more out there. Right. But like, I can spend a good amount of time with myself and be totally fine. <laughs> Same here. Same yeah. here. I know. I agree with you. I, I think that, you know, it is a very thin line because, you know, you could very well be isolated. I think it was, I think I just saw a post from like Amanda Seals when she had, she spoke about this a little bit and she was saying, it's not, I wouldn't call it isolation. I would call it solitude. Yeah. And that's probably is a better word because isolation means you're just removing yourself from things. Um, and it's kind of a sense of like, one alone, you know, versus solitude is kind of like a peace associated with it where you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm removing myself, but I'm also not alone. I do have support there if I need it. Um, and then, but I, but I also don't want to avoid the problem. I'm reflecting on it and, you know, actually getting better because avoidance really can really mean that if you're not, you're not, What's that thing in therapy where it's like... Are you talking about exposure therapy? Like when you kind of expose yourself over time, slowly, incrementally to right. things? So, so with exposure therapy, at some point, if you're healing for something, would you say that you're healed if you're exposed to it again and you respond 
in the same way? Can you still be healed? Or do you have to like have a different response to that exposure? Hmm. So I, I feel like when it comes to exposure therapy or just healing in general, uh, things can happen, I believe, under the surface that you may not even notice. Uh, like thinking of it, just the idea of like planting seeds. So when I hear that, is someone completely healed? I, I think that can be subjective. Um, but in situations where you are putting yourself back into situations that maybe were troubling or cause emotional discomfort, and you re-expose yourself into that situation, you may do that the next day or, you know, a month from now and yeah. still feel some of that emo- emotional ter- turmoil. But I would say just the fact that you went back to confront that again could be active healing, right? So that itself is a growth moment. Now, it, you doing that again, right? And may bring forth another response, Maybe the uh, anxiety level was at a nine and now it's at a seven or an eight. That is mm. great. Yeah. So I think all those things is recognizing what are the signs of healing for you? You know, like what are you noticing? Whether it's what you notice in your body, how you perceive the situation versus maybe in the past and maybe how long you noticed that this wasn't a good situation for you and you got out of it. You know, mm-hmm. maybe the timing of it was better. So it's, it's very subjective, you know, but I think healing can show up in different ways. That's a great point. I, you know, and I didn't think about it that way. It's because you don't necessarily have to have the polar opposite response that you didn't have before. But like, even if it's just minimized, that's still growth. So you should be proud of yourself for that. Give yourself that grace to be like, yeah, I was at a nine, but I'm kind of at a three now. And that's cool. That's you. <laughs> He's great. Take that. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> yeah, because I was just like, you know, when we're talking about isolation versus um, avoidance, um, a lot of people will say that they healed, but they just avoided the trigger versus actually healing from the trigger. So that's why I brought that up because it's like, no, you didn't heal. You just avoided the problem. Mm-hmm. And that's not the same thing. You know, so in that in that removal of yourself from the trigger, you should still be healing. And then that way, if the trigger comes up again, you're not responding in that same way or at least as much as you did before. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. I think avoidance can be a defense mechanism. You know, Mm -hmm. that can be a way to avoid, like you said, the emotional discomfort. Um and maybe in, in some indirect way, it, it feels like the right decision, right? Because you're not in this emotional turmoil. You're not dealing with conflict. You're not dealing with people. And so it's like, oh, like, I'm good. So I don't need to do this again. Um, but back at the end of the day, right, we're wired for connection. And so um, going back to the word alone, I think it's I think it's more so lonely that we may find ourselves doing that avoidance. Like, we're finding that it's not helpful, right? Like, mm-hmm. if we start to feel lonely. It's okay to be alone mm-hmm, or be in mm-hmm. solitude, but then once you start to feel lonely and so um, you can avoid all day, but uh, do, are you lonely at night? Right. Or are you lonely, you know, during the holidays or do you have these bouts of sadness, you know, where you're, you're longing for connection. I think that's something to look into. Yeah. Yeah. Cause loneliness can make you do some things. I'll tell oh, you. No. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. you. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, you know, this brings up a headline that I just saw not too long ago. You know, Tia Mori, right? The Tia mm-hmm. and Tamira Mori, the twins. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So we grew up on Sister Sister. We pretty much stayed basically been in every hallmark christmas movie known to man and they just they're just phenomenal and you know iconic so but tia she recently divorced from her husband not so long ago and on social media she has been living her best life you know as it seems she can dress she's got her hair products she's making all these videos it's like she's enjoying her 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 singlehood but recently she posted about how dating is hard, you know, and I'm sure after any divorce, she was with that man for over a decade. I'm pretty sure that anytime you're divorced after being in a relationship that long, dating can seem extremely complicated. Like it's like, okay, what's going on out here? This is a different, a different environment from when I came, you know, when I was in that, in the, in the field, you know, so I'm pretty sure it's different for her too. So, and then with her being who she is, probably makes it 10 times worse, you know? So, but, you know, in that process of her posting all this stuff, people have just been giving her backlash about how she need to go back to her husband because ain't nothing out here. Dating is terrible and she just needs to go back and get her man back. And she basically clapped back the other day. She was like, enough is enough of a thing. Okay. (laughs) And I am not going to, you know, keep hearing you guys tell me that I need to go back to something that didn't serve me anymore. Like, I understand that it was comfortable at that time. And I understand that dating may be hard for her right now, but that doesn't mean I have to go back to something and be complacent. Right. Right. You know, so like, how do you feel about, you know, with that and divorce? Like, I'm pretty sure you get couples who have been with a long time relationship or were recently divorced and they always maybe have feelings of going back to their spouse. Like, how would you tell them to deal with something like that? It's normal to to have difficulty with cutting ties with someone that you have been with for X amount of years. There's a grief that comes with that. It's a loss. And as we all know, or maybe not all of us are familiar with it just yet, but grief is very complex and it's not linear. So it makes sense to maybe long, right? And at the same time, um, I think it goes back to like even the ultimatum, what you described, like what are your boundaries? What do you want in life? Who are you? What kind of relationship are you really wanting to be in? And how is this not serving you? And, you know, or is it serving you? Maybe some of these things we can work through. Um, mm. Working through. Um, what would be the sacrifices you would have to make to work through those things? Are you willing to make those sacrifices? Uh, is it mutual? Is he willing or she willing to do the same? Um, it's a lot of like really asking yourself like what's worth it to you. Um, and everyone has a different uh, threshold, you know, or tolerance level. Maybe you've been through a lot of trauma in, in relationships and your window of tolerance is very small and you don't have the capacity to deal with it anymore um, because you've dealt with it your whole life. Or maybe you have dealt with it your whole life and you have, uh, maybe you're not able to identify like you are in an unhealthy relationship. Um, and so this is normal to you. So it's, it's, uh, it's something that I wouldn't tell them what to do, right? As a therapist, I don't tell you don't divorce or, or get back with them. It's more so like, okay, what is this? What's coming up for you? And why is it here? Um, what do you want to do with that? Um, is it worth going back to that place? What would happen if you did? 
yeah. anything, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, um, but, but no one's perfect. I mean, I personally can attest to that. Like sometimes you have to go back to really get the closure that you need. Sometimes there's maybe loose ends that you need to tie, but you have to be careful, you know, because it's a slippery slope. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, I think that's such a gray situation instead of it yep. being just black and white, like nobody is saying that you can never go back to an ex, you know, because I feel like if you guys maybe spent some time apart and grew and yeah. got better, worked through things, you can revisit a conversation. Like the door doesn't have to be slammed shut with cement and closed down and locked up. Like it doesn't have to be a final, you know, goodbye. But I think that if you have done the work and you may have grown apart from each other mm-hmm. and, you know, as of right now, this no longer serves me. I think that is completely okay mm-hmm. for you to, you know, part ways. And like you said, knowing what your boundaries are, your heart stops, you know, mm-hmm. um, what sacrifices you will make in the situation is always good to kind of just do the whole pros and cons list. like. Mm-hmm. Is the are the cons outweighing the pros right now? Mm. But it can happen though. Like cons can outweigh the pros, and it can be a seasonal thing. Exactly. Right. Like we don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater every time the cons outweigh the pros. But it just depends on your limit. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And communication. Like if you can communicate through things with your partner, you know, mm. you can get through a lot. And if there's a level of trust, right, that's there, like, you can you can get through a lot more things than people think they can get through. But if that's not there, then yeah, like, it's basically a solo journey that you're fighting on your own. And yeah. that's not sustainable, you know, so. Yeah, because why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> if I'm fighting for my life every day, <laughs> if I'm fighting for my life every day we together, what is the reason? Sir or madam, what is the reason? I'm tired. I'm tired. Okay. So, um, our next topic, I wanted to get into, um, you know, you are what you take in, right? So, um, this can vary depending on, you know, what stage of life you're in, um, what you got going on. It can gender specific, age specific, um, I want to know, like, have you seen any differences, like, at all when it comes to the type of clients that you are talking to? Um, what kind of what kind of clients do you normally uh, see, like, with age spectrum and different disorders? Like, what do you normally see? Yeah. Um, so in the past, I've seen all types of ages. From you know, when I worked in the mental health field, I started working with teenagers, at risk youth. Um, not so much in the counseling capacity, but just doing behavioral health. And then as far as counseling, I've worked from as young as 18 up to like, I don't know, like 60, 70 years old okay. um, in, in the hospital settings. But now in pra- private practice, I have kind of niched out and found that a lot of the people who find me are young adults. Um, so that can range from like in the early to mid twenties up mm-hmm. into like thirties. But I have a few people who are um, in their forties, fifties. And as far as disorders, it can range from mostly mood disorders, so depression, anxiety, life transitions, just adjusting to different changes in life. I have a few who have 
um, bipolar diagnoses who are working through that. Um, and then a lot who have a trauma background. Something that I'm also have found myself being very interested in, and it's, I call them my aligned clients. They, they find me, I don't look for them. So a lot of them have a creative creativity within them, which I believe everyone has, but I've recognized a lot of my clients are very creative people. And so that is something that I'm niching out is how to maximize that as a form of therapeutic expression um, versus just talk therapy. So that's something I'm also kind of moving into as well as is working with clients who have a creative uh, side who want to express that more. Yeah. I mean, that's good that you're able to work across different ranges, age ranges, as well as gender, um, and I'm sure sexual orientation sure. and mm-hmm. um, preference. So that's pretty cool. Do you see any um, uh, influx of things that have been going on? Like I know that talking with a colleague of mine about how like post-COVID, um, you kind of saw an uptick in suicidal thoughts and depression or mm-hmm. just things like that. Do you see any like age specific things or gender specific things in your, in your work? Yes. Um, so I would first thought is um, age specific things is when you're working with the young adult population, especially in today's society, right? Like the economy is not well, like we mm-hmm. are spending so much money on everything. It's just expensive to survive. Um, and I feel for my young adult clients because they're so young and they're trying to become something like they're just mm-hmm. graduated or they're still in school and everything is so hard. And yeah. at the same time, you brought up COVID, like they were in school, like in COVID, like, young you know and this is all just been part of their story you know and, and I, mean, I I think of them as very strong resilient people but at the same time the struggles that they find themselves in is this desire to really like to be successful mm-hmm. and you know and it's we all want to be successful but you can feel the fear behind mm-hmm. that right because they know what could happen if they weren't in their, in their perception of what that would mean. Um, and so that has been, uh, a place that I usually find myself in with a lot of clients, just what does that even mean to be successful or who who do you want to be when you grow up? And like, not just because someone told you to be a doctor, but like, you feel like you have to be because you don't want to be without, you know, or you don't want not be the main character, right? Because social media is also enforcing, to be successful in these uh, very high standard ways, like the 6 a.m. waker, you know, like it's like, like I'm talking about 45 year old men don't even do any of the stuff they're talking about. They want you to work out at five, sing to your baby at four, do, do a marathon at six. Then you got to do it. Like to have a stock portfolio. It's, It's like, who can do this? It's who can sustain this. And like you said, if you're 18 years old, 19 years old, you haven't even, you don't even know who you are for real. So to have that, it's just unrealistic expectation is totally crazy. And, and And when you think about it, honestly, like you said, they're so resilient they when we were their age we said we wanted to be successful but it wasn't so rigid when it comes to even what success looked like like it it wasn't like this picture that was painted for us of what success looked like like 
on, like you said, social media shows you like a visual. You got the resorts, you got the cars, you got the this and this and that. And that's what successful looks like. Versus when we were young, we was just like, we just want to get some decent money so that we can move out of our parents' house. Like it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like anything that was grandiose. And I think that they haven't even been able to breathe or have a break and know what life was like prior to just all of this information. Yeah. Like I couldn't imagine being, you know, a teenager in this day and age. I'm so thankful I was raised in the nineties in the early two thousands where, you know, you were able to kind of still had a, have a adolescent mind and mentality without yeah. so many pressures. Yeah. If, yeah. if, if you, if you were privileged to do so, right. Cause, cause even yeah. if that, Cause even within that, like not everyone had that opportunity, you know, you know, the pressures of family or, or friends or, you know, society can still happen. But I think, yeah, like in general, like it's just different times. Um, mm -hmm. I'm in awe of a lot of the clients that I have, like they inspire me. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, the thing is with them though, is that because they're so hard on themselves, they don't realize how great they, they are yet, you know? Yes. Uh, so yeah. And there's time, you know, depending on how young you are, you know, it seems like everything has to be done right now. Yeah. And it's an urgency kind of thing. So what about gender? Like, do you see, I mean, if you're just talking binary, do you see any, um, specific things gender wise that are, that are out there? Um, I see mostly women, but I would say that the few men that I do see that come through, right. I get so excited because it's like, I just want to, do it right and do it well. Cause I, I want it to be a good experience. And I know this is like a big deal to um, men to, to show up for therapy and, and open up in those ways. And so like a theme of that for me is that I notice how emotions, right. And the, like feeling those emotions may not come just organically, you know, it, it may take time to unfold as they build safety. Um, with me or just safety within themselves and debunking all of the beliefs and myths about feeling feelings and expressing self. Um, so that's a, that's definitely just a very like obvious one, right? We, we, we know what it's like for a man and a black man at that, right. To, to have, to be able to feel in, in the, in the world that we're in now. Um, I think another thing is uh on the contrary, right? Like we have an emotional mind, but we also have a logical mind. So a lot of men like to fix things. And so um. they come in with this mission, right? Of like, this is the problem <laughs> and I want to fix this. And so I can like go and do the next thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's an interesting perspective. Cause I, I can relate to that. I think I'm an analytical person when I want to be. And so I may tend to want to say, right. <laughs> present. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Same here. Uh, yes. Uh, I tend to sometimes get very hyper fixated on just fixing the problem and not slowing down and letting myself be present with the feelings that come with it. So sometimes I can get looped up in that. And I think it, it's beneficial, you know, to be logical minded and, and problem solve. But like that usually is like the, the first approach that I notice with guys is like, they want to like stay there. Um, and so it's, it's a dance, you know, sometimes we stay there and then sometimes I, I pull them over to this side. Okay. Like, well, what would that, what would that feel like? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I can feel foreign to sit there for a while, but it's, uh, it's necessary. Um, and it's been good. It's been good to watch, you know, men open up and 
and my hope is that they'll open up with other people in their life that it's not just here because the, the point is, is that we want to fire you guys right mm-hmm. we don't want to be in therapy for life that's not the, the goal like talk more about that because i think that people have that misconception mm-hmm. and maybe and maybe i'm an outlier to this because I, I i i've heard that right or even like the the concept of graduation right to graduate mm-hmm. clients out um I'm, I have a different view. Like, I don't believe that it's helpful or healthy for anyone to become attached or reliant on their therapist or dependent, right? Like, the goal is for you to think for yourself, do for yourself, thrive, go fly, right? Um, and sometimes that monthly check-in can be really helpful just to kind of like, okay, like, I'm good, but like, I just want to like really think through this thing. Um so yes, maybe the in ideally you, you want to be fired. And I found that some clients like just really enjoy having this space to do whatever. And I think that's also because the work that I do isn't just like clinical. It's now becoming this creative space where mm-hmm. clients can do whatever they need to do to solve whatever they need to solve or dive into the depths of things that they've never dived into. Um, and it's opening up doors that they haven't experience before through talk therapy it's like oh like i can go draw this out this image out and and learn a lot about how i perceive my life right Mm -hmm. now and that is way different than what i would get if i was just talk about how life is today um so that can be a practice it's like a service in my opinion i think it's like you go get an adjustment you know like all change we get an oil change, right? Yeah, that's an oil I, change. Yeah, you because know, we need that. We need the oil change. The car ain't gonna run over for so long without the oil change. So okay. now, if you have, if you get that oil change, you know, somewhere else, like let's say, maybe you don't get it here in therapy. Maybe you found like, okay, I have this group of this community of people that I can get this every, you know, few days, every few weeks, or once a month, whatever. Then that can be your way of taking care of yourself. But not everyone has that just yet. And so mm-hmm. I think it's just being mindful. Like, oh, I mean, that makes sense. I, I like that. I like that answer. A mental oil change and, and finding out ways you can, you know, depending on the frequency, regardless of the frequency, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're doing a tune up. So that's good. Yeah. Um. So you spoke a little bit about the different kind of therapies you do. So, you know, what are, what are your goals in therapy? Like, what are some things that you're interested in doing and, and have found to be effective? So just me being a creative person, you mentioned how I like to sing, like I've always tapped into music as a way to express myself. Um, so that's where I kind of realized, like, I want to see what else I can do. And then I found online this concept of expressive arts therapy, that it's not just art therapy. It's not just music therapy. It's all these modalities. So that can be that can be art, that can be music, that can be dance, that can be um, psychodrama that can be pottery mm-hmm. making so it's like all these different disciplines that you can use to express yourself and they they call it low um skill high sensitivity so mm-hmm. you don't have to be good at it you just mm-hmm. have to be highly sensitive to what you experience in that process as you play mm-hmm. they call okay. it um, so that's where I'm at right now like I'm in school to do that right now and uh, still seeing clients um, and if, you know, over time I'm going to be doing more of that work, um, more so, but, um, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's been very like, like fulfilling. It, it's a different type of magic in the room. I, I describe it because it's, 
It's some things that you just can't explain. It just happens. Yeah, I think that's dope. I think that you, you know, making an attempt to approach therapy in a different way that's not so uh, rigid or, you know, traditional. I think that that is very important because it'll allow people to be able to receive help in a different way. That's something that they may be more compliant with because if they were to just do talk therapy, they probably like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Or, this is boring or this is not really getting to me versus if they, you know, you, you pull up with a different approach. They're like, okay, well, I can actually get with this. And mm-hmm. so you have different tools in your tool belt to get the job done. So that's awesome. Thank you. Now we're going to get into our watch list of the week. So this week's watches of the week, um, uh, we know we're going to go over some things that we've been watching or tuning into either just recently or, you know, not too long ago that we could talk about. Um, it can be a movie. It could be a television show. It could be a podcast, whatever the case may be. So this week for me, uh, this past week for me, I was able to tune into, you guessed it, The Ultimatum. <laughs> it's, an actual, it's an actual show on Netflix called The Ultimatum. And it's a part of a whole plethora of dating shows that they have on, on Netflix um, by Nick Lachey and his wife. So the past Ultimatum, I don't know if it's the last season or not, but um, it was pretty interesting because this whole show is predicated on there's one person who wants to be married and there's another person who doesn't want to either not now or ever. Uh, but they're, you know, just in a, they're complacent being in a relationship with that person, but just not necessarily marriage. So whether it's the guy that wants to relate uh, the marriage or the girl that wants that marriage, um, somebody wants to get married. So mm-hmm. they on the show and they, basically give them an ultimatum and then they go with another person that's on the show that's and happens to be in another couple and they live with them for like a week and then they decide like hey I want to go back to my boo I want to go back to my my partner or I'm just gonna walk free because I they're not giving me what I need type thing and so it's a pretty interesting show because it allows, you know, it allow, allows the couples to see life outside of their relationship. But um, at the same time, you know, you can't really take all these things, you know, for real. So a lot of it is scripted, I'm sure. But this past season was interesting because most of the couples who wanted, um, well, I would say it was kind of split half and half. You had the women, some women wanted the marriage or some men did. But a lot of times when a man saw his woman with another guy and she was all glowing and giggly and all that, he was like, no, I want to get married now. <laughs> it was like, hold on, sir. Like, do you really want to get married or do you just not like to see me with somebody else? You know, and it all goes back to boundaries. So can you really take that conversation seriously? Because it's like, what pushed you to want to say yes now? Is it me? Do you really, you really say you can't see your life without me? Or do you just not want me to be with somebody else? And I actually had a personal experience like that where somebody was just basically like, I don't want to see you with nobody else. And it's like, well, that's enough reason for me to be here. So, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, um, I I just found it funny. So have you seen the show before? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. (laughs) Was that okay? Hold on. 
No, I'm thinking of another show, but I have watched that one. I'm trying to remember the last season was. I think so. The, so the so the first episode. This was the, the crazy part about the show. The first couple episodes, it was a couple on there, and the girl basically was just hysterical, just emotionally hysterical. <laughs> and when she yep. saw her guy with another woman, and she basically said she was pregnant, and they had to leave. I remember. Yep, it's come back to me. Mm-hmm. That was a messy so, one. So what did you think about that conversation? Because I'm like looking at the the, the TV like, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, first thought is messy. Um, <laughs> two, it's it's also you know like I, I I think about like the impact of the camera. Like mm. they know that this is going to be aired, right? They know people are going to have opinions, and like a lot of these dating shows, I have never seen nobody get like. Like, people have a lot to say when yes. these things air at the end. So I, I wonder if people are already thinking about that when they're on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely wondered, like, what did you expect kind of thing? Like, what were you thinking this would look like? Um, like, you signed up. You went through the whole process. You, you signed the paper. You did all these things. Yeah. Now. Though I don't know what the surprise was, but maybe in some ways we tell ourselves things, right? Like, what we assume the other person would do in these scenarios. And I think that's also like very, very common in in relationships. Like when you spend X amount of years with someone, Mm -hmm. you think they become you or you you become them because you think you know them so well. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder if if some of these relationships, they assumed or predetermined like what would happen. uh, And then they find out that that's not the case. Like your, your, your husband or your wannabe husband actually, thrives when he's gets attention yeah she she definitely thought that once she was with another guy he was gonna get jealous and and want to be with her but in the same breath he was like oh i'm free for a little bit let me go (laughs) and she was not having it hey well check that out it's on netflix of course um it's called the ultimatum what have you been watching well you know me i don't watch tv like that but um (laughs) I I still am watching, and I haven't finished all of it. Uh, this is very much like I'm late to the game. I've been watching it though. Uh, is Insecure? It's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anybody wants to, you know, just do a whole marathon. Uh, <laughs> so that's what I've been doing. Um, I need to pick it back up though. But like, it's just been. I really, I mean, most black girls can say this, right? Like when they when they see her, they see themselves, and mm-hmm. uh, especially like the whole rapping thing, and like the like that, <laughs> that was me too. Like I the awkwardness, like, the awkwardness, <laughs> the you know the just figuring out like how to just get through the world and and mm-hmm. date and men and or and even corporate world. Like I, I when I rewatched it with Molly, I started to like notice things I didn't notice before. Just her experience working in the different two law firms and working mm-hmm. with maybe her being the, the, the minority, right? And and versus maybe the majority and like those differences. And and so that was that was interesting to me recently, like how that relates to my personal life sometimes. Like there are differences of different work environments and how mm-hmm. you how you show up and how they perceive you. So yeah, definitely. How you show up and how they perceive you, because it can be it can be different, and and not necessarily in a code switching way, mm-hmm. but you want to fit in, and so mm-hmm. you have like you're still genuine in both, you know, instances. It's just that they're different. That's yeah. all. 
That's mm-hmm. all. So good. Yeah, you can never go wrong with uh, Insecure. You know, the they they did a great job. Um, I'm glad they ended it when they did because it it ended on top. And okay. Issa. Okay, okay, I won't. <laughs> Issa, Issa is definitely my muse for everything. Like I, yeah. I love me some Issa Rae. She's been phenomenal in just not only like production, you know, but she has her own coffee shop. She has like um uh, she's like a producer and a creative director. She's all the things that I I would love to be. So I uh, as far as her career. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate Issa. So now we're going to get into our tune of the week. So this week's tune of the week comes from an artist that I didn't know much about until fairly recently. Um, so he was the guy who, you know, the God did record with DJ Khaled and um, Jay-Z and Wayne. Um, there was a, a artist who sang the chorus of that song. And people always, you know, when that song came out, it was like, oh, he's hard. Oh, he's great. You know, he has such a testimonial voice like he has such pain in his voice and his name is friday um and i discovered him and he i listened to his album that just came out and he had a song on there called came too far with maverick city the uh gospel um artist group and when i tell you i was like okay like is it that whole song is definitely giving um Hard Knock Life is given underdog. Like mm-hmm. I can see that being played in, you know, sport movies or something like that, where, you know, you always see that athlete running up the the hill, trying to prepare for something like that kind of a thing, because it's really given inspiration because, you know, ultimately what he's saying, you know, outside of his just vocal ability, what he's saying is some real stuff because, you know, you work so hard for something you want to succeed things knock you down constantly but you've come too far to give up so you know what you're gonna do you're gonna win or you're gonna go home you know sometimes and you have to kind of pull yourself up to keep going sometimes so i really appreciated that song and it was just done so well so check that out it's called came too far by friday so what about you girl yeah no i I love that you mentioned Friday because I, I just found out about him too. I need to um, listen to all his music, but the one I have listened to has been really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one I have isn't as maybe uh, like, I don't know. I'll just share it. Um, I, was, <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was just in the car recently and I uh, finally started listening to Drake's uh, new album. Oh. <laughs> Dang. You know, I'm going to save my car. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I know there's a lot of mixed reviews, um, and maybe maybe not mixed, maybe more one sided. I don't know. Um, but I was just I was just listening to one of the songs. I actually wasn't just listening to the album. I was just listening to music in general, and it came up. Um, but Bahamas Promises, I, mm-hmm. I liked that. Mm-hmm. I liked the flow of that. I mm-hmm. I I'm really am a big like stickler when it comes to, like just what it like a song makes me feel, and so. Yes. The beat, the sound, um, how he flowed, um, that really was just, I noticed I kept repeating it over and over again. So I just went ahead and liked it and put it on my little list of like songs that I like. Uh, but when I went and, and actually listened and, and looked at the lyrics, I thought that, I thought it was a, a good song. I mean, it's definitely talking about the, it's, it kind of gave off the feel like this ongoing disappointment in dating. And I can relate to that. Like you 
you think this is the one you think there's potential there and then something happens right and mm. um and then you're back into this you know this abyss of of like loneliness or just disappointment yes yet again abyss yes abyss. Um, <laughs> the abyss <laughs> the abyss um but yeah i think it was relatable and um Haley, you know you gotta do better so that was her name i guess that, that was yeah it's all it's always it's always a girl you know with drake it's always a a girl who did him wrong and and you know she she missed out because he turned out to be who he was and if you just would have acted right we would have been good that that's that's what i get from most of his uh but you know he does that so well he does that so well Mm -hmm. i and i enjoyed a few songs in that album i'm I'm definitely not gonna lie you know there has been mixed reviews about it everybody's entitled to their own opinion about Mm -hmm. music if you're a consumer you're gonna have some kind of critique about it but one thing that can't be denied is his accolades and his ability to you know speak to a a certain situation in everybody's life because everybody goes through situations like these you know Mm -hmm. so that's good. So the Drake album. Well, I really appreciated you joining me here today. Uh, it's always a great conversation between us. I, I really feel like you're doing great things in therapy. I just would encourage you to keep up, you know, the good work, keep, you know, being relatable and finding creative ways to get through to your patients and things like that. Um, Cause we really need great uh, therapists as well as mental health advocates and creatives and all those things. So um, do you have any final words for the audience or anything that you want to share? Um, can I shout myself out a little bit? Absolutely. Little- Where can people find you? What you got going yeah. on? Yeah. Like all of that. <laughs> I got this movie coming out now. Uh, if you are interested and want to learn more about what I do or find that you would benefit from therapy, you can email me at ashleyjohnson.therapy at gmail.com. I also have an Instagram that I plan to get back on that's going to have a lot of uh, fun things, just creative things and content, uh, mental health related. And that is at words underscore A-R-E-N-O-T are not underscore um, enough so words are underscore are not underscore enough and that's really it i want to say this too lauren like i am proud of you um for all the episodes that you've created thus far um you do this very well i mean it's it just comes effortlessly i don't know if you you recognize you. that i name that for you that i wish you the best you you definitely are doing something of uh, value and it's it shows like it shows um organically so I appreciate that. And I, and I'm sure this is not our last, you know, conversation on the pod. You know, uh, I really appreciate your input. Honestly, this was a good conversation. You know, I really, really was. And I want to say thank you too. I really appreciate those kind words. Well, as always, you cannot manifest anything that you don't feel worthy of. So create the life that you want and look to the sky for grace. As always, have a good one. See you next time. Bye.